Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to Blue Shirts on Broadway, episode 3. A uh, couple things to get to today, a couple games that happened over the week, a uh, couple of off-ice notes, um, you know, and some other interesting topics that uh, we'll cover in this week's episode. So uh, without hesitation, let's dive right in. start off back uh, last weekend uh, with the game against Buffalo. Um, you know, they're coming off a couple of good performances previous week, uh, the outlier being Edmonton. So you want to keep that going. You want to have a good, strong week. Uh, another week with three games on tap. So, uh, you know, you want to keep uh, pushing, keep at least getting two out of three, uh, hopefully get all three and just keep the strong play continuing. Uh, at this point, it's more of, you know, the team looking good, looking strong, uh, and continuing to uh, replicate results and continue to play a brand of hockey that's going to carry you through the end of the season and into the playoffs at this point. Uh, It's more about learning about yourself, learning about your system, your style, uh, and creating that identity that teams look for and lean on um, during harder times, during the playoffs, during, during a push for uh, games that you need to win. So, uh, coming into that game against Buffalo, that's kind of what I was looking for. Uh, and the team seemed to uh, agree with that. Um, they started out strong. It was a good performance. Uh, the top guns were out. So, uh, Panarin, Zabanajad, Kreider, uh, everyone, you know, seemed to be on their A game, pushing the pace of play, uh, playing their brand of hockey uh, that they need to be playing to play at a high level and continue to push this team forward. Uh, It was one of those games where you didn't really need to grind one out. Um, It seemed to always come down to having the puck on the stick of the most dangerous players on the team. Uh, Panarin had a strong showing, uh, and I think that the first line is starting to gain their identity. They're starting to show the type of style that they want to be playing. Uh, Wheeler is starting to kind of mesh and blend in on that top line. He's having stronger performances, um, specifically this Buffalo game. I thought he looked strong on the puck. He was, you know, in the corners digging for it. Um, He's not going to flash you with speed and style, but um, his type of game is get into the corners, grind it out, get to the front of the net, get some tap and rebound goals. Uh, and he's starting to do that. And that's kind of what that line needs. You have Zabanajad who has the hands. He's the playmaker. Um, he also has that one-time slap shot. You have Kreider, who's kind of got that speed going up and down the left-hand side of the ice. Uh, he's always a threat to take the puck to the net, distribute it. Um, he has a good shot as well. So that first line is really looking for a guy that can either shoot the puck um, and you know have a shoot-first mentality, something we'll get to a little bit later, or a guy like Wheeler who's going to go in there and dig for pucks and um, you know win pucks back, win puck battles along the board, uh, dig it out off the dasher board, and you know um, bring it to the middle of the ice. 
uh, and get it to Zabanajad, who can then do something with it. And then he'll continue crashing to the net and, you know, poke some of those pucks in. It's something this team has lacked in the previous years. You know, they um, they haven't really been strong around the front of the net. They haven't had that willingness to get a dirty goal. Uh, you're starting to see that with the third and fourth lines, uh, which is making them very noticeable. But it's also good to have that dynamic in your top six to where Zabanajad and Kreider can get the pucks to the net, but somebody's got to be there to finish off rebounds or at least give the goalie something to think about when he's making that initial first save. And that's something Wheeler can do, and he can do effectively. And it starts to seem like he's becoming comfortable doing that, especially here in New York. Uh, it's a tough pace, tough place to play. It's a tough place to get used to. And, you know, being an older veteran guy, he's a captain coming from Winnipeg, which is a smaller Canadian market. Um, it's going to take him some time to get used to it, get used to the players, used to the system, used to the city. Uh, and you're starting to see that benefit. Is he going to be an every night kind of guy? Probably not. Um, is it an area that the team may look to um, may look to add at the deadline? Probably, especially with the Kako injury. Um, you, you're looking for some good dynamic players there. But Wheeler's fitting the role exceptionally well. He's playing well. He's starting to get chemistry with Crowder and Zabanajad. And that's huge. It's it's huge to see that um, on this team, especially throughout this week in the past, say, five or six games. Um, he's looked dynamic. He's looked good. So that's kind of all you can expect from him at this point is just to continue that solid pace of play and you know keep getting better with each game. So on top of the first line kind of having a dynamic game in Buffalo, um, you know, the team fought through a little bit of adversity. Buffalo kept coming back. They're, they're a pesky team. They're not going to quit. Um, they're right on the fringe there of being a playoff contender. Um, so it was good to see that, you know, these are kind of games where you feel like the Rangers would get away from their style. They'd get a little comfortable. Um, but they kept playing through it. Um, you know, Buffalo kept coming back, kept coming back. Uh, and eventually, you know, forced overtime. Um against the Rangers team who, in my opinion, should have got two points out of this game. Uh, you go into overtime, anything can happen, uh, and you know you, f- you fight through some of that adversity, specifically in the second period, um, where they didn't have a solid you know, run of play. They were doing a lot of stick checking. Um, there wasn't a lot of taking the body, taking the man, uh, forcing mistakes by Buffalo. So you do kind of allow them back into the game, but uh, you still get the result that you probably end up deserving. Um, your top guys carry you through the game. Uh, and you win it in overtime in front of a pretty raucous MSG crowd. You could even hear it um, on TV. I know Sam and Joe mentioned it a bunch. The The garden was kind of electric uh, the day before Christmas there. And it's good to hear. You don't always get that, especially in these regular season games uh, where the crowd is that engaged. But it seems like every hit, every play, there was an ooh and ah and a cheer from the crowd. So that kind of boosts the team up. They've said it in the past. Um, it's good to hear. And this one probably helped them uh, kind of edge this game out. Something else to mention from this game uh, is Igor is starting to uh, round into form. Uh, I'd say his last, you know, five games or so, he's looked much sharper. He's looked much sharper uh, in goal. He's playing the puck a little bit more, which, you know, is classic Igor um, when he's feeling on top of his game. He's also playing the puck behind the goal, in front of the goal, uh, kind of using him as a 
sixth playmaking ability player, um, which helps your defense. They're not, you know, turning their backs to pucks, fishing them out from behind the goal line. Um, The goalie playing the puck really does help the defensemen um, keep their eyes up ice. They can make quicker plays, quicker reads, and um, your breakouts are a lot smoother. So with Igor feeling more confident in goal, making bigger stops, uh, you know, not letting in the softy goals that he has occasionally let in this season, which is not typically Igor. Um, you're starting to see his play round into form in all assets and all areas on the ice, uh, which is only going to help this team get better specifically defensively where they have struggled in the past, say two weeks. Um, part of that is, you know, they're going back, they're digging pucks out. Uh, it's not a clean transition from, getting the puck out of your defensive zone and then in through the neutral zone. So um, Igor making those plays is going to help this team going forward. Uh, and he obviously made some key saves in this Buffalo game where maybe they don't eke this one out if uh, he doesn't make some of those saves, which is classic Igor. You know, he doesn't necessarily steal the game against Buffalo, but he keeps the team right in it uh, and keeps them able to keep, um, you know, withstanding the Buffalo comebacks and continue pushing the pace of play a little bit to where they were able to uh, come out on top. So following the Buffalo game and the overtime thriller, uh, the team has the Christmas break, which is uh, NHL wide. uh, And then they come back and play Washington on Wednesday night, uh, a Washington team that pretty handily beat them uh, a couple weeks ago, shut him out for nothing. Uh, Ryan Lindgren's brother, Charlie, stood on his head and um, basically stole that game uh, for Washington. You know, the Rangers had a, a decent push there, but once they couldn't get anything by him, uh, it, it kind of seemed like they got a little bit demoralized on the bench and uh, were just kind of unable to do anything offensively in that game a couple weeks ago. So, You're looking for a bounce-back performance uh, against this team. Um, Probably some bulletin board material there for the group in the locker room. Uh, And you're looking to also continue your run of play. You've beat a good Washington team. You've won three out of four. uh, And you're just looking to continue building on that. that. You don't want to have a step backwards um, and, you know, get another routing against Washington again. So um, a couple of different factors in this game, also being at home, you don't want to have a clunker against uh, a division rival uh, in your home barn. So team had some momentum going in uh, and you could kind of see the rust that occurred during the Christmas break. Uh, Both teams played a pretty quiet first period. There wasn't much going on. A lot of feeling out felt almost like, you know, one of those game ones of the first round of a playoff series. Teams are just kind of feeling each other out. Don't want to make a mistake. Very defensive minded, uh, not really pushing the play too much. Uh, you can't really blame them for this again, coming off that loss against Washington and now being at home and having a little bit of rust with a couple of days off. You're going to get um, more defensive minded team. So that being said, it was good to see uh, the Rangers pull out a win in this game. This is this is the type of style game where the longer it goes where nothing is happening offensively, the more 
this team in the past couple of years would push the east-west style of play. They would try to make the fancy play the high-risk, high-reward play. And it would usually end up resulting in a turnover coming back the other way with a, an odd man rush, a two-on-one, a three-on-two. Uh, and probably nine times out of ten end up in the back of the net. So that being said, uh, it's one of those, not a trap game, but one of those style of games where you're just hoping to see a glimmer of difference from this coaching staff, you know, preaching, playing the right way, not getting away from your game plan. And that was the biggest thing I was looking for, especially after that first period starting off slow is how is this team going to respond in the second period? What are they going to do tactic wise to try to break a very good defensive Washington team? Um, It's a team that doesn't score a lot, but they also don't give up a lot. So it, it's one of those, measuring stick opponent games on a defensive side to see okay this is going to be a more playoff style game how is the how is this team and specifically that top six going to respond Uh, a rangers team that typically likes to make that east west pass they are hesitant to dump it in and go chase it especially in that top six how are they going to break through a washington team that's not going to allow you to make that east west pass um, even more so in a defensive-minded game that this one played out to be. And because of the way that the first period started, it was going to take the full team effort um, to break down a Washington defense, a, a very good Washington team who uh, you know, still has some star power. They're not playing uh, completely up to their ability, uh, but it was going to take a full team effort beyond that top six to make sure that they were playing the right brand of hockey. It was going to take that third and fourth line to go in there, set the tone, especially against a tougher team. You know, they still have Tom Wilson. They still have some tougher guys on that that back end of that Washington team um, that can do some damage to you. So it was important to see uh, the team kind of step up especially in-game with Truba going out. Uh, He's one of your more physical presences. He's obviously the captain of the team and one of your top four defensemen. Uh, It was going to take a whole team effort to kind of step in and make sure defensively the team played sound hockey for what was the majority of two periods down a defenseman and an important defenseman at that. And you see most of the goals were scored by defensemen. You have Miller and Schneider um, making unbelievable plays and scoring goals that could end up being highlight real goals at the end of the season. Uh, and you have Gustafson playing another strong game. He steps into that top four role. He's playing his offside. And it's really good to have a dynamic defenseman. Um, prior to the season, I was more in the camp of re-signing Nico Mikola. Uh, the team didn't go that route. They brought in Gustafson, who has experience with Laviolette's system, uh, and he's a good top defenseman, uh, and he's versatile, as we've seen. He stepped in and played uh, alongside Lindgren for Fox when he was out for an extended period of time. Uh, didn't really miss a beat. Uh, he's got good offensive upside, uh, and he can defend, so... Um, the D playing down a man, um, rotating in and out, played an exceptional role in this win against Washington. Um, you know, both on the score sheet and off the score sheet, they kept Washington's top guns quiet and remaining quiet as they have throughout the season, uh, at least up to this point. And they didn't really allow Washington much. Uh, 
while still pushing the pace of play in the offensive zone. Uh, And that's an important quality to have when you're playing a defensive checking team. Your forwards aren't going to have as much room on the ice. So it's important to play in a group of five while you're on the ice and make sure the defensemen know their role. Um, They're still defensively sound and responsible, but they're able to push the pace of play. They're able to, you know, walk the blue line, get some shots through. Um, And that's also where having four distinct style lines comes into play. Uh, You get that for third and fourth line out there with uh, some of your better offensive defensemen, they're going to get shots through on net. There's going to be rebounds and dirty goals to be had. Uh, and that's kind of what you're starting to see. Even in this Washington game, you you roll out that third and fourth heavier line. They're digging for pucks behind the goal line. They're wearing the defensemen down from the other team. Uh, and they're playing that hard style of hockey, which ultimately opens up the ice for that top six group that is more skill-based, more dynamic, uh, to find some open lanes, and you clearly saw that there was a, a lot of open lane passes to be had in this game, but it wasn't forced. Sometimes this team does force that east to west style of play, like I've mentioned previously a bunch of times. Um, it's hard not to see, but for this Washington game specifically, I thought it wasn't forced. Um, the hard play by the third and fourth lines, uh, as well as the defensemen jumping into play, kind of grinding Washington down a little bit, um, breaking down their defensive structure, allowed the skilled players to have that room to make the plays they need to make to um, ultimately do those high risk, but get the high rewards. Uh, and that's that's a skill that this team hasn't really had in the previous years. Yeah, they did a little bit in the playoffs in 2022. Um, but, you know, specifically last year, it felt like the team would try to force that pass, that east-west pass, specifically at their offensive blue line, which was coming right back down the other way. Um, now they're starting to learn... Um, and follow the lead of that third and fourth line to dump the puck in, go get it. You have guys on each line that are going to do it. Trocek's going to do it on that second line, um, and Wheeler's going to do it on that first line, where they're able to go in the corners, dig it out, and win the puck back, which is key. And if they don't, the defensemen are sound in structure where they're going to fall back. Um, They have good communication. They know their roles and responsibilities, which is why it's important to have a strong defensive structure, Uh, something this coaching staff definitely brought into play. It was something they probably didn't have as much of last season. It was more run-and-gun style. Now defensemen know if, if one pinches or pinches in a certain position or... Um, it makes a certain play, they're able to read off of each other and know their defensive assignments coming back. Uh, and you see it all over the ice. There's communication, there's stick pointing, there's finger pointing. Guys know where they need to be to defend. Um, and that's kind of the key. Defense leads to your offense most times. So uh, being structured and sound defensively, even your offensive zone uh, is going to lead to more chances for this team. Also out of this Washington game, I just want to go back to a point I made uh, in the episode last week that I thought Schneider was starting to round into form, probably wasn't getting talked about as much. Uh, Obviously, he has a breakout offensive game against Washington, but he also steps in, uh, fills that role for Truba when he goes down as being that physical defensive presence on the back end. 
Um, you know, the air quotes baby Truba name uh, really comes in the form here. Uh, you can see he's obviously still a young kid. Uh, he's still learning on the fly, kind of like Miller. Um, and he gets thrust into a, a role where he has to step up and be kind of that guy, at least for one game. Um, the game was kind of out of reach at that point, but uh, you see him go in, make some hits. Uh, he gets challenged by Tom Wilson there a little bit. Um, he knows when to back down. He knows when his team doesn't need to get in trouble, especially down a defenseman already. Um, and he's just kind of learning. He's a smart player. He's a good player. Uh, and he's one that probably doesn't get as much recognition on a team that has defensemen like Fox, Lindgren, Truba, Miller, obviously almost all of the top four defensemen are going to get more notoriety than Schneider is going to. Um, but it's important to have a guy like that on the team. Uh, a lot of fans are looking for the flashy ooh and ah defenseman, that offensive defenseman. Um, but that's great until you need to defend. And a team needs to have a couple of those true stay-at-home defensemen still in order to defend in this league, especially come playoff time. Those are the guys that... Uh, win pucks in the trenches, go behind your goal line, take some hits, um, and make some plays for you coming out of your zone. So it's great to see that uh, Schneider is kind of fitting that bill. Uh, this is what his what, almost fourth season now, I want to say, off the top of my head. So uh, he's rounding in the form. He's probably the defenseman we thought he was going to be. Uh, he's going to be a key for this team moving forward. Uh, especially with the contract uncertainty for Lindgren and some of those other guys, Truba getting older. Um, Schneider is going to be one of your top four defensemen in the near future and one that this team is going to rely on heavily. So to see him playing well, chipping in offensively, he could probably do a little bit more even. I think Laviolette has said it. Um, I think Schneider said it as well. Uh, you know, he likes the style of play that Laviolette's bringing, and that's really important, especially for longevity for this team. You want to have some consistency. You want to see a coaching staff stay in place, and you want to see players develop and thrive under this coaching staff that you have locked up long-term. So to hear and see what Schneider's doing on the ice, um, offensively, defensively, and just all around uh, is bodes well for this team in the future and it's it's something that fans probably won't notice uh if you're not keying in on schneider night in night out uh people around the league probably aren't going to notice you know you just notice hey he's on the third defensive pair um probably a more of a shutdown role which is exactly what you want him to do um and he's not getting sheltered minutes they're rolling all three pairs if he's out there against the other team's top line, um, you've got Schneider and Gustafson on that third pair that I would argue uh, rival any team's top four defensemen. So uh, it's an asset to have, and um, it's something that the fans have been clamoring for of, well, how are these kids going to grow and develop? Um, you can't just look at it from Lafreniere and Kako. You've got to look at it from all of the kids. And to see Miller and Schneider um, kind of develop and grow as defensemen uh, is very positive to see and something that is going to benefit this organization going forward, um, especially as you get into these playoff situations, you get into these high-stress situations. Um, they're, they're just going to continue to thrive, which is awesome to see.
And then finally, we have the game against Florida on Friday night. Uh, It's the Rangers' annual New Year's Eve trip to Florida, kind of like every New Yorker at this time of year. Uh, They usually send them away, away from New York City in the Times Square fiasco down to Florida. So um, it's kind of an expected road trip at this point to play Tampa and Florida, one of the two or both of the two um, at this time of year. Uh, And... I don't think the team got the memo. It didn't seem like they wanted to show up and play the defensive style hockey and the good sound quality hockey that we've grown to see at this team on most nights. I'd say the Friday night game was probably one of four where the team just didn't look themselves. Um, They kind of let Florida dictate the type of play that this game was going to be played with. Um, even Florida, who is more of a, they're going to get high quality chances. They're not going to give up a lot. They're also a top defensive team. Uh, it was kind of an odd game where both teams said, screw it to the defensive side and just let's run and gun and see um, who can score the most goals is, you know, and that's the team that's probably going to win. So that's the style of play right from the opening puck drop uh, that we saw. And this team usually thrives under that style, but um, for whatever reason, uh, last night, this podcast is taped and being put out on Saturday. So whatever happened last night, uh, it's one of those games where you just got to learn from and toss it. Um, Obviously, you want to tighten things up defensively. You don't want to play that style, especially tonight, Saturday night against Tampa. Uh, You just want to make sure... Uh, You're keeping that sound defensive hockey, playing defense in the offensive zone, making it hard for teams to come through the neutral zone. It looked like there was absolutely no neutral zone play at all last night Um, on both sides of the puck. Both teams, you know, kind of just skated through at will. And if you could make that first outlet pass and beat that first guy, um, you were going to get an odd man rush or you were going to get a quality scoring chance. So um, I've made it this far into this game without mentioning Jonathan Quick, who made some unbelievable saves. Um, This game could have quite literally been out of reach within the first 10 minutes if it wasn't for Jonathan Quick. Uh, He makes that ridiculous Scorpion save, which is currently flooding the internet. Um, And, you know, he just makes outstanding save out of after outstanding save um, and just continues to uh, impress and look like he is back into his old Jonathan Quick form um and again this is only going to benefit this team going forward to have quite possibly one of if not the top goalie tandems in the league i would i would say they rival boston's um goalie duo and only a couple others so it's it's good to see he's obviously eclipsed that um backup goalie point threshold that you're looking for out of your backup goalie for a season and we're barely even halfway through so uh it was good to see he kept him in the game he kept making big saves and eventually after going down to nothing the team did find a way to claw back in the power play helped a little bit but wasn't the end-all be-all in this game Uh, which is something I want to monitor and just watch closely going forward is uh, how does this team progress five on five? You know, like I said earlier in the show, it's now it's more about how are we going to progress and get better for come playoff time. And 
Uh, any NHL fan knows that the whistles kind of go into the pockets during the playoffs and the refs let you play. So there's not as many power play opportunities to be had, which means most of your offense is going to have to come five on five. Uh, and that's something this team needs to work on a little bit. Um, make sure they're not totally reliant on a power play um, that they may or may not get in specific situations when you need it. Um, so to see them be able to claw back into this game without having a dynamic power play like they usually do uh, was good to see. I thought after that uh, Zabanajad shorthanded goal, the team was going to get a lot of momentum. Uh, Florida kind of came back pretty quickly and... Um, like we saw throughout the night, pretty easily went around defensemen and scored that fourth goal to kind of seal the game away. So uh, it was one of those games where you kind of learn from, you learn from the mistakes, you learn that you do need to continue to play defensive style hockey and you move on. Uh, Like I've mentioned, it's kind of reverting back to some of those games you would see last season uh, where you get caught into playing a style of game that isn't your own. Um, Most times out of not, if you're going to lose, you want to lose playing your brand of hockey. You want to play your game plan. No matter what the other team's doing, it's all about your game. Uh, And I just felt like Florida knew that and they opened it up to where the Rangers were going to have to open it up as well just to get some offense. You saw in that first 10 minutes, they got caved into their defensive zone, um, just trying to defend uh, off Florida. And the team probably threw the game plan away a little bit, and the top players started to cheat a little bit more offensively just because of the way the game started. Uh, and that ultimately was the beginning of the end um, as far as how the game was going to be played. They never really got back to defending, um, playing that 1-3-1 through the neutral zone, playing that trap defense. Uh, You never really saw any of that, and it was probably due to that um, hard start where Florida just kept coming in waves and... It was going to feel like one of those games where you can't even get out of your defensive zone. Um, They did start making some of those seam passes. And like I said, uh, once you make that first pass, they had plenty of odd man rushes. And, you know, I'll say it here, but how about this team scores a uh, breakaway goal? I feel like it's been 15 years since, you know, you get a breakaway and you don't put it in the back of the net. That's just a morale killer. I think. Uh, Kreider had one there where he doesn't even really make a move. He just kind of skates through the circles, through the hash marks, and just puts it on net. Uh, Lafreniere, there was a good defensive play against him, so can't really fault him there. But um, you hit a crossbar. I think Fox hit a crossbar on a two-on-one. Um, you know, At some point, you just got to score one of those and you know, give your bench a boost, get, kill the crowd a little bit. Also, that Florida crowd, uh, pretty much a Rangers home game at this point, too. Uh, Like I said, all those New Yorkers going down for New Year's um, probably traveled with the team. I've done it once. Uh, It was a fun trip. Uh, Terrible barn to see a hockey game in, but uh, definitely a pro Rangers crowd. You could hear it in the chants and in the crowd noise. Um, 
So the boys had some juice. Uh, there was some good offense. Uh, it was a fun game to watch. It was definitely not a Picasso, as Vigneault would say back in the day. But um, ultimately, you do lose the game. You probably deserve a little more. I saw Steve Valiquette's stats this morning of uh, expected goals. Um, they were pretty close for each team. There was a lot of high-danger scoring chances for both teams. So it was one of those games where, yeah, you want the Rangers to tighten it up, but Florida also didn't play a style of game that allowed you to tighten it up. So um, looking for a little bit of a bounce back tonight against Tampa, tonight being Saturday. Um, you obviously, you don't want to play that style against Tampa, who has Nikita Kucherov, who last time I checked was the points leader in the NHL. Um, they still have some dynamic offensive power. Um, they're a little bit down this year, at least to start, based on you know their current five-year form. Um, but it's still a dangerous team, and it's one that you don't want to play that game against again tonight. So with that, that wraps up the three games that were played this week. Uh, we'll pick the Saturday night game against Tampa Bay up next week. Um, and hoping for a better performance to end off this little uh, Florida road trip swing before the team comes back home to start the 2024 calendar year. Uh, I saw, I think, a stat somewhere. I don't remember exactly where, but um, this team had a really successful 2023. I think they were at the top or near the top in wins and points for uh, this calendar year, um, and it was a strong one starting, you know, all the way back at the midpoint of last season. Uh, this team has come a long way. They've built a lot of good characteristics, especially under a new coaching staff. Um, and a lot of the role players that Chris Drury brought in in the offseason are playing a big role. Uh, I think Nick Benino uh, and the coaching staff have really helped in the face-off circle. Um, Pitlick and Wheeler have fit in nicely. Gustafson, uh, as we mentioned earlier in this episode, has been probably one of the key off-season signings um, in the you know second tier of signing players uh, this off-season around the NHL. He's been just dynamic in all areas. Um, so moving forward here into this next little bit of the season, it's going to start being rumor time. It's going to be, who's this team going to add to fortify the lineup, uh, come playoff time, come stretch run time. Uh, and, uh, this team and Chris Drury does not have a lot of cap maneuverability as of now. Um, but the big news coming out of this week is that even though Philip Hedl is progressing, he is returning back to his home country, Chechia, um, where he's going to continue his rehab. Um, that's, in my opinion, not the greatest of signs. Uh, I was still holding out hope that it wasn't really a concussion. Um, it seems like all signs are indicating that this is his fourth concussion uh, in his playing career, at least at the NHL level. Uh, and as others have mentioned, concussions get progressively worse. Uh, brain injuries are hard to predict. Uh, and it seems like he is skating, but not really progressing at a great clip. So sending him back home maybe is a morale boost for him. Uh, maybe his coach is back home and being around his family and friends can help him uh, kind of heal both mentally and physically uh, and get into a better mind state. Um, to where he does come back this season and be a factor. 
Uh, but this team needs to start, and this front office needs to start planning for him not being back this season, which means they do have a gaping hole at center. Uh, whether you consider him your second-line center, third-line center, uh, it's going to be a position that this team needs to upgrade, and using his uh, long-term injury uh, money uh, is going to be beneficial to them doing that. There are a couple of centers on the market. Uh, I haven't really done too much research into that yet. It's still a little bit early, but um, there are some names and interesting names floating out there that this team could pick up. Uh, and hopefully, you know, fit in a little bit better than the deadline acquisitions did last year, which, um, in my opinion, changed the dynamic of the locker room a little bit um, to where the team was never really the same after the deadline. So uh, looking forward um, that even into the next couple of seasons, uh, any kind of long-term injury to Heedle, um is kind of a detriment. Uh, I'll be blunt and say... He was probably my favorite player on the team, so it's extra hard to see him kind of go through this again and um, be injured as much as he has been. Um, I thought he was going to be the top kid out of that quote-unquote kids line. Uh, He was starting to come into form. He had six assists through 10 games on that second line. He looked dynamic. He looked like a player that was finally ready to break out. He broke out a little bit last season. He definitely broke out during the playoff run in 2022 through that three rounds uh, playoff um, excitement. Uh, And he was the oldest of the kids. I think he um, came in the draft where the Rangers traded away um, Auntie Ranta and got in Tony D'Angelo. I think he was part of that trade, if I remember correctly. Um, so he was a little bit of on the older side of the Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, Filipino, that group of kids on this Rangers team. Uh, and he was a centerman, which is something this team lacks. They lack right wings. They lack centermen. So uh, that's definitely a big blow, even going forward into the future of this team, where it's it's a position they were already weak at. They don't really have too many centermen down in the AHL or um, draft picks that have been more recent. So uh, that injury doesn't also hurt them now, but it does hurt them a little bit in the future and hinder them um, to where now you're looking to go out and add a couple of right wing depth pieces and you're looking to add some kind of dynamic second slash third line center. Um, However, Trocek has emerged to be the player we thought we were getting two years ago. It seems like it took him a little bit of time to acclimate New York, um, but he's finally starting to become that player we saw being a pest on all of those Carolina teams and even back to the time he played in Florida. Um, he's really good in the face-off circle. I remember that was something that was talked about when he was coming over to help this team in the face-off dot, something that they've lacked and we touched on a little bit last week in the episode um, Trocek has been absolutely lights out now in the face-off circle and going back to the point I made a couple minutes ago I think that's a combination of the new coaching staff and Nick Benino coming in and kind of helping this team learn how to win face-offs it's not just the centerman that does it yeah they take the draw but it's on all of the forward group to come in and help out the centerman which is something that this team needed to learn how to do and it's going to only be an asset going forward so with that Heedle injury news, uh, Trocek has stepped up and 
come into place where he probably should have been slotted in anyway. Uh, I think Heedle's a little bit more of a dynamic player, a playmaking ability kind of player in that top six role. Uh, Trocek is a little more of that grittier, grinded-out style, Brad Marchand type of player where he's not going to make that pretty pass all the time, but he is going to win the puck almost nine times out of ten when he goes in with somebody else. So um, Trocek has filled that spot, but that's left a little bit of a hole on that third-line centerman position uh, where you're getting a decent contribution from... um, I think they have VZ slotting in right there, or maybe Goodrow. Um, but you got a lot of players in that bottom six uh, where they're centermen slash left wings, and it it just lines up better if you go out and you get another dynamic playmaking ability type of uh, centerman for that third line, where then you can unlock some of that offensive potential from VZ, from Pitlick, Um, those are guys that are high end players that can play on that fourth line role, which is something you need. You need the checking line type of player that can also put in a bunch of goals. Um, and something this team had during those long playoff runs back in the early 2010s, uh, where you had Brian Boyle, um, who would pitch in a ton of goals come playoff time. You had, um, Brandon Prust, you had some of those guys that were tough guys, but they could put the puck in the net too. So, um, getting into it early, I think center is going to be one of those positions that this team looks to add come, um, trade deadline time. Uh, and and like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I think right wing might be an area where they look to add to specifically in that top six. Um, and a lot of people are throwing around the Frank Vitrano name. Uh, normally I'm not a person that likes to keep bringing guys back time and time again and try to rehash things. But, um, like I've mentioned, New York's a hard place to play. And we saw Frank Vitrano excel on that first line right wing, um, with Zabanajad and Kreider where he wasn't scared to take the shot. He wasn't scared. To, he knew his role. He knew what he was good at and he was going to do it, whether it was correct or not. Um, and that's something this team sorely lacks. They lack a player that is going to take that shot no matter what. It's going to get the puck to the net where then you can crash and get some rebound opportunities. So um, I think that would probably be their top candidate there if Anaheim would eat some money. Uh, bringing Frankie Vitrano back for a little bit of a reunion and, you know, hopefully keep him a little bit longer term, um, specifically because this team lacks right wing depth at the NHL level and at the AHL level. So bringing him back in probably isn't the worst uh, idea that this team would have. Um, But yeah, uh, we'll explore that uh, topic a little bit more as the season progresses. Um, I think we'll wrap this up here. It's been a great 2023 season for the New York Rangers. Um, They've done a lot of incredible things, had some heartbreak there at the end of last season, but just putting a bow on 2023, uh, I don't think we could have wished for anything better than what we've gotten, specifically the start to this season. It's, It's one for the history books for sure, and something that, you know, hopefully doesn't slow down too much and continues into 2024. Uh, So with that, um, you know, wish everyone listening a happy new year and talk to you guys next week. 